0: Welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thind. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Sheehan. Let's go. Matt, looks like you are excited and fired up. How are you doing today? Is, that all,
1: end- is that all up front? The, the, the day ends in Y, so you know we're coming in with high vibes right now. I got my sparkling water and a pink can I will be sipping on during the show because I'm feeling extra pretty today, Justin. So yeah, Ooh. things are going good over here. Yeah, hey. love the hat, love the fit. Thank you. You know what? I'm trying to channel in my inner golf season right here, going with the Puma mm. golf hat. Um, Justin, but the people really want to know how are you doing over there? Are you doing okay over there? Everything
0: well, good? Matt. The the Nick Sirianni trajectory hasn't gone the way I'd hope. Oh God. Well, there was there was minor hope in in the in the road today with with the Vic Fangio stuff. So hey, I'm taking it day by doing? day, not not getting too high, not getting too low. Just um, you know. The best you can do on your team is lowly and undefeated and, and defeated and out of the playoffs and eliminated. Yeah. So
1: that was a deep sigh. I heard in the middle of that sentence that <laughs> that was a sigh for help. Um, yeah. 70
0: gonna... points for my bead though. So that's good. Fool's golden. half hey. elimination.
1: Hey, look at that. There we go. Um, Speaking of helping others, we're going to help the Michigan state fan base today because just mm. right now in the calendar, we're in a little bit of not just a lull, but a good time to press pause and look at what the roster is right now in front of us for this football team we are a little behind a busy transfer portal window yes of course things can still happen but the bulk of it has wrapped up and then we're going to be ahead of the winter conditioning the spring ball so right now we're pressing pause and we're going to be looking at a few uh positions at the depth chart right now right justin i think we should start with a pretty recent position that saw a new face get entered into it luke newman FCS uh, All-American transfer from Holy Cross, six foot four, three hundred five pounds. Now he played a whole lot of left tackle, actually exclusively left tackle last year for the Crusaders. But JT, is this guy even a tackle? Because I've read some pieces, whether twenty four seven Sports or Spartans Illustrated, he seems to think he's an interior offensive line for uh, FBS teams like Michigan State is. So yeah. Let's start talking but, offensive line, baby. Let's go.
0: Yeah, the former Bloomfield Hills Brother Rice yeah. uh, product is projected to play left guard for Michigan State. Um, you are right. Played exclusively left tackle for Holy Cross. And the last time we talked about him, I alluded to him being in that left tackle battle with yeah, totally. um, with uh, kind of Brandon Baldwin and, and, and Stanton Ramel and, and those guys. But, like, yeah, as, if, as you've said, his quotes and what he's given and what he's alluded to to us and, and to others uh, it does seem like left guard is going to be the spot for him. Um, there, I, I don't expect him to have much difficulty winning the job because, really, Kevin uh, Broshes is coming off an injury that we don't know much right. about. I can't I can't really give him the nod there yet. And uh, Chris Phillips, Big Dooley, um, we'll see. I mean, I guess he'd be he'd be a good threat there. I'm um, also competing for the right guard spot with uh, Gino Vandermark because obviously everything is always up for a competition. Yeah. But yeah. Totally. So, so you're looking at left tackle. Now, I guess with Stan Ramel tearing his ACL last year. I, I probably wouldn't have him in the same tier as maybe Baldwin and Ashton Leppo in terms mm-hmm. of the likelihood to win that job. Um, not as a redshirt freshman, um, probably down the road. He, he can probably pull away. Even if one of these other guys win the job temporarily, like if an Ashton Leppo wins this job, that doesn't necessarily mean he'll have at the next three, four years. Um, but I do think that that's probably the way that the left tackle spot is probably leaning. Um, Baldwin had a high ceiling. He came in, just had a season of Juco that got canceled before yep. that. He just started playing uh football again in his senior year of high school. So really, really raw. And um Coach Cap kind of developed him into a serviceable Big Ten offensive lineman pretty early in his career, probably a year or two earlier than he was ever supposed to get to this level. So I can't count him out just yet. But if he does not take another big leap, I would probably say that Ashton Lepos, who I would go with personally, without having seen how any of them are going to do in fall ca- or spring camp and then fall camp. But yeah, that's kind of your left tackle situation. Then Luke Newman at left guard. Mm -hmm. center that's probably tanner miller's spot even though he played mostly right guard and some center at oregon state um dallas fincher probably the backup there cole dellinger probably also in the mix with fincher for who can who can kind of snag that second team sure um and then yeah right guard should be gino vandermark maybe maybe big Dooley if uh if he can pry that from him and then right tackle ethan boyd so i think across the board you're looking at Upgrade at right tackle with Ethan Boyd. I don't know why he wasn't playing more of a Spencer Brown last year. Right with you. Yeah. yeah. Left tackle. Um, I mean, Brandon Baldwin was playing a lot of the snaps there anyway to begin with. So um, if it's him, you kind of know what you're getting. If if Ashlepa ends up being better than him, then you're looking at a potential upgrade there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Samak was was a good run blocker, but some pass blocking kind of was shaky at times. So you're looking at Tanner Miller at the end of the day was AP midseason all American second team. He's pac twelve all American second team. So yeah. he, I would say he's an upgrade there. So you upgraded at right tackle for sure, at center for sure, I would say. It, it, talking about it in this manner. Um right guard, I'm assuming Gino Vandermark's not gonna get any worse if he wins the job. Um so you're probably same or better there, same or better at left tackle. Um left guard, I, I would say it comes down to how Luke Newman plays, but do play shaky at times not kind of the progression that you would have liked to have seen given how good he was early in his career but at the end of the day i don't think the offensive line is going to be leaps and bounds better but i also think that it should be serviceable at worst and um ideally you're thinking that you're upgrading at the coach spot so you should be able to have an above average offensive line but i wouldn't be competing for a joe moore award just yet That, that's a good way to put it.
1: Yeah. We're not going to say that this is like a top three unit in the conference. And by all means, guys, like if any of the offensive linemen are listening to this, and I'm sure they all listen together, (laughs) the offensive line room, please prove us wrong. I don't think it'll be top three in the conference, but it's going to be, look, I I, I know the bar was set kind of low last year. Uh, They were the worst in yards per carry rushing. It's going to be better than it was last year. Right. Because, Here's the thing. It, once bitten, twice shy, right? Is, is that the figure of speech? Because I was never heard of the figure of speech. You just said, that's fine. I, I may have just come off with that. Who knows? I don't even know if I'm using it correctly, but we're <laughs> going to go for it. Last offseason, JT, I I was feeling pretty good about the offensive line. I was saying a lot of the same things I'm saying right now. It, it, did, it did not go that way necessarily last year. Um, Sure. There are a lot of other outside factors that happened. You know, it wasn't just all entirely the offensive line's fault. But, man, here I am coming back, and I'm pointing at a lot of the same things. Hey, you know what? Luke Newman, that's a guy with a lot of college experience. Tanner Miller, got a guy with a lot of college experience right there. Just how I looked at Duplane and Samek and said, that's experience. This is going to go well. And then, hey, who do we got but another offensive line coach that is known as one of the best in the country, just like the last guy was. But here I am, JT. I'm, I'm sipping mm-hmm. the Kool-Aid. But, like – Am, am I in the right this time? Of course, only time will tell this. There's right. no way to find out an answer as we are recording on January 24th. But, man, I, I'm i getting optimistic about this offensive line. And, boy, does this sound like for the same reasons of last year. But, hey, I, there's reason to believe that it'll be different. Yeah, I, There I, is actually reason to believe it'll be different.
0: though. This right, year. and one factor that you didn't mention that will help the offensive line is the fact that if they do get beat on a pass rush, the guy that's going to be over uh-huh. there in the pocket is going to have more mobility than any quarterback <laughs> that Michigan State's had in recent memory. That's fair. So, um, at least overall, sack, sack yardage-wise, that should be an issue that is a little bit mitigated, which – Really, they didn't give up that many sacks last year. That was not really the reason the offense was was stagnant. yeah, middle of the pack in the big ten. Right. It's it the fact middle. that even when the quarterbacks had time, the routes just were not worth like hmm. if if the routes are getting stopped within a second of the ball being snapped, it doesn't really matter whether the quarterbacks getting sacked at like 1.5 seconds after the snap or 2.5 sure. seconds after the snap. Like the fact of the matter is the route trees are horrible. But like, yeah, so now you're kind of looking at a situation where not only does that stop the um, pass rush from kind of blitzing maybe six guys without a quarterback spy and Charles taking off the backside. Also in the run game, they're not going to be able to pursue and crash the edges hard because if he pulls it on a read option, you're in big trouble then. So in all sense of both the passing and running game, the defense is not going to be able to just blindly pursue um, as like as hard as they were last year. So it helps in that regard, just taking some pressure, taking away some decisiveness from defensive fronts. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to ideally in a vacuum, the offensive line also taking a slight step forward. And so that's the offensive line as far as depth goes. And look, we're going to talk defense here a little
1: bit. But as far as offense goes, we're seeing the offensive line depth chart starting to take shape here as we go into spring ball. And of course, things are subject to change. Like there may be a name added or missing by the time we get into the summer here. But you're feeling pretty good about the quarterback. okay? I got a pretty good idea that it's going to be Aiden Child's number one. At quarterback. Uh, go ahead and jump in if you think that's incorrect. But uh, running back as well, that's another position. You kind of see the pecking order there, too. Tight end, right. Jack Vellin. You imagine he's going to be the day one starter. You got some good depth behind him, too, with the young guys, Brandon Parachek, Jack yeah. Nickel. Receiver's the only one that I'm kind of wondering if there's a clear picture. You could just pencil in Hex Sharpium and Montori Foster for one of the roles. Right. Jerron Glover on the other side, maybe. Lante Brown's still sticking around. You got TJ Sheffield. Perhaps Nick Marsh is a contributor, and so Antonio Gates, Antonio, of course, the big body Antonio Gates Jr., the guy that probably comes in with the most size of any returning receiver. So that's going to be another interesting uh, picture to have cleared up here. Do you have a pulse on where the receiver room is looking at right now?
0: Yeah, I guess with Sheffield, it'll be interesting to see from the academic side of things how that plays out heading into the summer. Um, not very clear right now, but it's not one of those things where the kid is wavering. So at least that helps understand the picture somewhat. So, um, whatever ends up happening from the academic side is, is kind of what will take care of that situation. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, like, um, Montori Foster, he was pretty good as a route runner. He had some drops, um, a couple touchdown drops as well, but like at the end of the day, like he was a pretty refined route runner, especially for the limited routes that Jay was asking the receivers to run. Um, And then, yeah, with a guy like Jeron Glover, you saw flashes of potential. Now, if you have a better scheme, a better offense, a better quarterback, that can unlock a lot more production out of a guy like that, that in a vacuum has the skill set to make contested catches, to run the deep ball route. So you're going to be able to see increases in production from those two just because of scheme alone. Um, does that mean that a guy like Sheffield, if he if he comes here, isn't going to come in and immediately be wide receiver one? No, it doesn't, because he's a guy that he was limited behind David Bell and some other guys at Purdue over the years. And again, like the volume wasn't there, but if you watch his highlights, which obviously highlights are someone at their best, but totally. that basically tells you their potential. And he has a ton of potential, can run every single route, make contested catches, yards after catch on slants, deep balls, so, like, I think at that point, you're okay with those three receivers as your starters, assuming the scheme gives them a leg up from what they had last year. And Aiden Childs, ideally, being a better quarterback than they had last year. So, yeah, like the receiver picture, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, there's a lot of teams around the Big Ten, like Michigan, even um, Penn State, where there's a lot of bodies, a lot of names, a lot of guys, but like mm-hmm. nobody really knows who's going to step up and be the guys. So, You'd think if you have a good quarterback and a good OC, that three people out of that would be able to step up. So we'll see who they are. But I think they got enough guys. It's just who's going to be the difference makers out of them. Kind of reminiscent
1: of last year too. Like yeah. everyone figured, all right, yeah, Trey's going to be one of those guys, but it's anyone's guess <laughs> who as who's going to be the other guys. But yeah. so again, uh, there's a lot of football left uh, to not be played before the game or the season right. kicks off. Um, Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, though. I, I think secondary, the, the starters there, but sure. Like, that's pretty cut and dry. You know who the safeties are, the cornerbacks are. It's going to be Jaden Mangum, Malik Spencer, and then probably Dylan Tatum, Chance Rucker for the mm-hmm. cornerbacks. Right. Defensive line, feeling pretty good about that. Chris Bogle, Avery Dunn. I'm sure one of the young defensive ends will have something to say about that maybe before the season starts, if not into the season. And Regardless. Dunn Dunnigan. Quintarius done, done again, of course, and that kind of goes into the defensive tackle, too. Mm-hmm. Sure, Derek Harmon, Simeon Barrow, but, yeah. hey, another defensive line transfer, DeQuan Douse. He's got something mm-hmm. to say about that, too. Feeling you know pretty good about
0: Hansen
1: that. Back. Yep. There we go. Maverick Hanson for his 21st year of college eligibility. <laughs> Must and be nice. Shot, Shout out to Ben Nelson too, a former walk-on offensive lineman. Yes. He had a little bit of run at defensive tackle last year. Let, let's sh- let's shout everyone out. Let, let's yeah, get nuts, yeah. man!
0: And then Simone, the only and the only defensive tackle recruit of the mouth Tucker are Alex Van and also coming back from an ACL there.
1: I know, man. So so that that's kind of where things stack up with the defensive line. So I guess the only mystery, I guess, is what I'll call it with air quotes around mystery, is linebacker, and that makes it a little hard too because right. there are going to be some formations out there that just have two linebackers with we'll call it. Kyle Halliday, Jordan Hall, and then Angelo Gross playing nickel. Or right. you have Wayne Matthews playing the nickel. So kind of difficult to talk about like what the depth looks like there. But let's say that, okay, kickoff against the Owls. Florida Atlantic takes the field. It's a three-linebacker set, traditional mm-hmm. three-linebacker set. Who do you think's trotting out there at what position then, JT?
0: I think you're going to have, um, if it's a three-linebacker set, you're probably going to have one of Jordan Turner or Cal Halliday in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um both of those guys are very limited in pass coverage. Both of those guys are pretty skilled in the run game. Yeah. Um, you're looking at Jordan Hall as one of the guys next to him. And then on the other side, you're looking at Wayne Matthews, I believe. Um, he's the best coverage guy out of out of everyone for sure that we've just named. Um, if you're looking at a two linebacker set, so ideally it's going to be a pass down because you're subbing out the mic for uh, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mic, but in this case I would say right. it should be. Um, but yeah, so then I would take Cal or Jordan Turner off and bring in that nickel, maybe a Charles Brantley. Um, and then I'd keep Wayne Matthews as one of the two linebackers there and Jordan Hall as the other one. So that's kind of how I think that it will it will shape up there. Um Hall out of necessity was in coverage a lot, and he didn't look right. he didn't necessarily look too bad. Um, but like I think that gave people an inflated sense of confidence in his ability to be a coverage guy. I think he's definitely gonna his, his bread's gonna be buttered in between the in between the tackles. Um, and that's why it's I'm um, very important to get a guy like Wayne Matthews because he's very good in coverage and yeah. the existing linebacker room did not really possess that skill set, even though Jordan Hall did did the best that he could, because you don't want Cal Halley covering guys in space if you ideally can help it and you have the portal and you can do stuff like that to bolster the roster.
1: Good run stopper, though. Whole we'll, whole we'll tipper cat. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, for sure. Definitely and. For it's not lost with me either that we didn't bring up Darius Snow. I just don't know what Darius Snow we right. did get back. Obviously, it was a struggle to get back on the field last year. He was not mm. 100%. I, who knows if he ever will be 100%, but – uh, maybe it's a thing where hey even at 85% Darius Snow can still be one of the guys on right. the bench when you do need a, a nickel like that because I know he did profile as a linebacker last year but I, again like this is a guy that is a right. pretty good athlete so can yeah some guys yeah
0: definitely I, I just didn't mention him and, and probably won't mention him until after we hear that like he's doing really well or yeah. that he's because I don't fair. want to put unnecessary pressure on him totally um, where like let's say like right now he's kind of questioning like all right let's see like how i do let's see how my speed is and how i'm in practice and meanwhile we're over here telling everyone to get excited about darius snow and he's probably like oh, that's kind of unfair so yeah, right. we'll, <laughs> right. we'll we'll kind of see what the early returns are and, and then we can go from there after speed. before history is written Orr, it the stand, it's, in the it's played Tinelli, before it's
1: frozen in time <laughs> It's fought one shift at a time.
0: Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices No, that's that's smart. Yeah, I can't have yeah. Darius Snow over there with his knee feeling like a box of crushed up salting crackers, being like, "What? They just guaranteed a <laughs> second team All Big Ten season from me? Like, what, what, excuse me, I'm just trying to play without a brace here. Finally, uh, that's yeah. it. That's it. But
0: so, so uh, wishing him the best in his recovery, and then we will go from oh, there. Totally.
1: Yes. Totally. Punter, kicker, I, that's pretty cut and dry, right? I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty easy. I, I think it's it's a pretty clear picture of what we got right now. And I'll say Speaking for a third time, things will change. Yes, hey, hey, now, let's get into recruiting. That's what I'm yes. talking about. Let's go. Martin
0: Connington, I let's believe go. the number four kicker, and or number six kicker in the country by 24-7 sports. Top ten. Um, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, loved his quote, Matt. Absolutely, oh. absolutely electric quote. Uh, basically went out there and cited how NFL kickers most of the season are kicking in bad weather and on grass. And then the next quote was, at Michigan State, the weather on the grass will prepare me for the next level. The most anti-running from the grind sentiment, oh. literally getting it out of the mud. And just <laughs> just absolutely phenomenal vibes from Martin Connington, twenty twenty-four kicker out of Idaho, formerly committed to Oregon State until his official visit to MSU this past weekend.
1: I love it. He he probably visited when it was like 35 degrees, 50 mile an hour winds, a little bit of precipitation out there. And he's probably saying <laughs> too beautiful out here. This, this is, I, I, I hope it's even worse when I finally get to kick here in East Lansing. No, this, this kid, if it was up to him, would find a college in Northern Nunavut, Canada and start banging them all <laughs> up there. But yeah, man, th- this kid, just like you said, sprinting into the yeah. grind, uh, just running into the wood chipper. So yeah, uh, never thought of like you know an attitude with a kicker. Yeah, that's never right. even crossed my mind. But I I like the cut of this guy's gym here. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. This guy's you, got an edge to him. I love it.
0: You know that tweet that it's viral. I don't know who tweeted it years ago, but he said, "I just asked my landlord to increase rent because yes. I don't like yes. running from the grind." That's Martin yes. Connington as as a recruiting quote giver as as a as a recruit. So he'll never take a dime of nil. It. He'll just. Yeah. See. Yes. He, he's probably not even gonna practice any kicks like in dry conditions. Like he'll probably bring no. a Dasani water bottle, pour it out like right around where his mm-hmm. plant foot's gonna be. Yeah. Just kick all his kicks that way. He's like the anti-brock purdy. Whereas like Brock Purdy, someone spills a power raid in like the corner of the field before the game, you know he's having an off night. <laughs> this, this is the anti, anti-brock purdy here. Just all the elements. Give it to him.
1: This kid's gonna be spilling a box of thumbtacks right where his plant <laughs> foot goes during practice. It's, he's never gonna use his combo exchange, you know, as a student. there. like he—he's yeah. never gonna do anything that's a handout or make things yeah. easy for him. So yeah. uh,
0: you know, you know how like back in the day, uh, I forgot who was on the Pistons, but like. And the pregame, like in the tunnel routine, like I think it was Rip Hamilton and somebody else, like they'd have Uh like they'd punch each other to like hype him up and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He legitimately asked like his teammates, like give him two black eyes and a concussion because he doesn't (laughs) want to kick with clear vision because like he's all about the challenging. And then he goes out there and he's like, oh, this is easy in perfect conditions. Has a Brandon Aubrey type of 20 for 20 season. And yeah, that's the secret formula right there. Hey, when
1: it's, when it's a playoff game at home at Spartan Stadium and it's December and we got the, the Miami Hurricanes just already getting back on the plane before the game even kicks off, whew, I mean, th- th- this kid's going to be ready at the very yeah, least. No so, no, love, Tyler love Bass,
0: no Tyler Bass situations over no. here. No Anders Carlson.
1: I guess I could talk about his actual kicking, too. He does have a clip on Twitter uh, where he does nail a 62-yarder right down Main Street, down the middle. Um, he had a 50-yard field goal at his homecoming game in the great state of Idaho, and he said it was against the wind. Whether it was windy or who cares, a 50 yard <laughs> field goal that looked like it would have been good from 65 still plays under any yeah. circumstance. So, Matt, it's, if, it's if, big it, leg.
0: if it wasn't windy, he would have refused to kick. So, we yes. know that yes. it windy. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a great he would have kicked with his
1: off foot. You're right, that, that <laughs> is a, a sterling observation by you. That's that's what I'm talking yeah. about. So, yeah,
0: so uh, ideal situation for him. He's going to learn under Noah Kim this year, right? Red Shirt yeah. probably, and then uh, four years after that, as a starter, if everything pans out well with Martin Connington. That's
1: right. We're in flip-flops for every game because cleats are too easy on yep. them. That's, that's yep. right. Can't wait for this, kid. There we go.
0: Yeah, and then um, kind of other recruiting stuff. Uh, several defensive tackles to monitor um, heading into this weekend. Uh, we'll we'll dive into more of those after this this upcoming weekend happens and, and we can break down those visits after. But some D-tackles to keep in mind. Um, one of them is an Auburn commit right now. Um, okay 88 rated 24 7 sports prospect so dive into him and the others and then um, also jalen brown wide receiver three star from texas 87 rated on 24 7 sports i think we mentioned it last podcast a little bit but just a very underrated kid um alan true and Corey robinson and those guys like they're a big fan of his tape i went ahead and posted three clips uh from his tape only saw the first three minutes but it's one of those things where it's like a, a 10 play kind of player or our previous The previous head coach that we covered here at Michigan State, I believe he had a phrase, five-play five player, something like that. But, yeah, you saw right away he has speed, he has yards after catchability, also yeah. has possession catchability, can go ahead and, and have quick releases. So very good receiver there. All of us at 24-7 like him, so he's also visiting this upcoming weekend. So that's kind of their focus heading into February signing day. A lot of DTs that they need because the last coaching staff kind of just – Completely abandoned the idea kind of, of recruiting interior sh- defensive tackles. For, forgot about
1: it. Hey, yeah. I'm very forgetful, too. Um, Like, I just lost my wallet last week, actually. Mm. So I, I'm not one to, you know, make fun of people that are forgetful. But sometimes you just forget about a position on the football yeah. field.
0: But losing your wallet is not going to give up third and two runs in 2025, Matt. That's, <laughs> that, that doesn't no. have the consequences that are nearly as grave as the last coaching steps recruiting. I don't know. I, I, I did lose it in East Lansing.
1: So maybe it's on, like, the football field somewhere. And oh, you haven't gotten so- it back? Oh, no, 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 this oh, no. This is long gone. Uh, this, oh, I this. There has no. never been a wallet more gone in the history of wallets. Uh, but maybe it's on uh, Spartan Stadium's turf and someone's gonna slip on it on third and two. And
0: that's not that's good stuff. No, it's not good whatsoever. How's it not gonna return? This is people don't see the name of like V, Matt She has wallet. I've got a tweet at him right now and get too it. many
1: enemies, way too many enemies. Yeah. Uh, that or All it's just like in my. Yeah, that or it, it just like fell out of my pocket when I got out in the street and a plow drove over it. So
0: Wolverine <sighs> fan 072 just got it, Matt, and they're they're making fake passports under your name and
1: yeah. I was wondering why my Amex was fifteen thousand dollars for the next month, but I'm sure that'll just buff out. That's fine. We'll just all those eleven that a... khakis. <laughs> that's, <not my> <laughs> that's right. That's just a future Matt problem over here. Um but that takes care of everything that happened in the football world, right?
0: Nothing else notable. I
1: happened that's uh that's especially specifically for the state as well that's that's just about it right
0: now that you mention him at the state Not- might have a decrease in khaki sales
1: slight one mm-hmm. slight one um here here's how i'll start the conversation and yeah we're gonna address the elephant in the room uh jim harbaugh he's going to los angeles to be the head coach for the chargers for the next three years until that flames out um I'm not gonna be like snarky. Uh, I'm not gonna you know grave dance because quite frankly, I'll admit it. Like I can't. They won the national title. Like, sure, it's fun that he left and everything like that, but I I don't have any snark in me. Uh, Really, I'll I'll speak from this from a legitimate observational standpoint here. Uh, It's 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 interesting times, and yes, it does directly impact Michigan State for recruiting. For okay, the protective rivalry we face Michigan every single year until the sun burns out. So. It's fascinating to see what's going to happen over there. Odds are, Sherrod Moore, I don't think I'm overstepping by just assuming that's going to happen. Right, JT? Is that kind of like right, what you're correct,
0: feeling? Yeah. You know. yeah.
1: Has there ever been a man more pre-fired before? Mm. And you, again, I'm not saying this as a salty Spartan being like, oh, he's going right. to fit. Like, look at it. Th- th- what did Harbaugh say before the season? Like, they have like 20-some NFL right. draft picks. That is he's exactly not going to be... He's not going to be too far off. I don't know if he'll get to 20, but there is 18 stars. I believe they have to replace on last year's team, right. including the quarterback, which is a pretty uh, important position. And that schedule is yes, no exactly. front like through the daisies. So not only are they off a national title, expectations are going to be sky high with a lot of the fans over there. Now, granted, there are some fans that do understand the context. Okay. We're replacing a lot. It's a hard schedule. It's replaced a lot of talent. I, I don't know, man. I don't know how many donors are going to be all too jazzed with like right. an eight and four record. Should they do that next year? And I gotta say, I swear, I, I'm not coming off as a hater.
0: That's probably what they could be looking at here. Absolutely, the Matt. In place. I Absolutely, because now keep in mind, like let's yeah, let's even take the bias out of it. If if the betting lines allow, like let's say the over under for Michigan wins is nine and a half, right? I would definitely take the under on that. And this is coming from someone that placed both big money bets on Michigan to win the Big Ten and the national title this past year. So Likewise. Yeah. Bad. Exactly. Right. So, right. Michigan, let's, let, I'll read their schedule. I was pulling that up when you were talking. I got it up too, if, if
1: you don't have it, if you just want me to. I got it. For I got it. it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: At Fresno, or sorry, at versus Fresno State at home. Yeah. So, not, not the worst, like lowest quality P5 opponent right there, but they should win that one still. Yeah. Um, then you go and play Texas at home. Mm-hmm. That's a loss. There's, there's no question. Like Texas is Could probably be. the third best odds for the national title behind Ohio State and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Oregon might be a step above them, but home against Arkansas State, you're looking at two and one. Now USC is going to be the pivot point of their season because yes. USC is in a similar transitional thing where they're not losing twenty draft picks, but they're losing the number one overall pick in the entire draft. But yep. their defenses should be a slightly better with, with Danton Lynn. And maybe if the Eagles are stupid enough to hire Cliff Kingsbury, their offense should take a step up for getting him out of the room. So USC yeah. could be better next year. And they, are, they weren't horrible. They just had an epic collapse at the end it's once the game stopped mattering. Yeah, right. sure. Then you're looking at a Minnesota team that's that's not going to be too good. And Joe Rossi's departure doesn't help that. So like you're at Three and two here if you give them the USC win, or sorry, if you give them the USC loss, but four and one if you give them um, the win over there. Then you play at Washington, and I was ready to write Washington fully off after Kalen DeBoer left. But Jed Fish was probably like the ideal biggest hire for them, and they kept Will Rogers, who I'm not a huge fan of, but like basically they're not gonna go like four and eight, they might go seven and five over there in Seattle, but like they have a pulse. They're yep. gonna beat they're gonna beat Illinois. Uh then Michigan State. It's January twenty fourth, we'll Matt. It's we'll January twenty fourth. If we'll I had to put money on one side or the other and yeah, I don't I think you go. I, I I think you know where I'm going there. I, I'm not putting it on. Michigan. I am feeling
1: really good about Michigan State's offseason. Yeah. I'm feeling good about how things are headed for Michigan. I just don't think the elevators of up and down are meeting quite yet. I think it's going right. to take two years, if not three, for Jonathan Smith. But hey, you know what? It's I got a bold take. You ready for this one? There's yeah. no way this backfires. I don't think it'll be a 49 point loss. Matt, I
0: will that? go ahead and say that here on January 24th, 2024. Michigan State will beat Michigan this year. That's my prediction. It's not a guarantee, but it's a prediction. Sure. And predictions can be wrong, but I don't think this one might be. So There we go. It's now it depends. Like if Michigan's going to go 11 and 1 or 10 and 2, then probably not. But this is under the scope of the discussion that Michigan's going to have a down year 8 and 4 because they're placing it guys. Can Jonathan Smith and Rowan beat an 8 and 4 Michigan team? I think so. Can it be the 10 and 2 Michigan team? Probably not. Yeah, so probably not. it all is under that same tone of conversation. Then you're looking at, at Indiana, um, home against Northwestern at Ohio State. They are lucky that uh you missed the Oregon game too. They got yeah, to okay, yeah. There you well. go. Yeah, yeah. that's that's true. That's so, a big one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. They're definitely losing Oregon, they're definitely losing Ohio State, they're definitely losing to Texas. There's three guaranteed losses right there. If they win one of those team one of those games, then Sean Moore should like be in contention for like coach of the year in the Big Ten. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, they're a nine and three team as a ceiling for me. So, if they lose to Michigan State, that's eight and four. If they lose to USC, that's eight and four. If they lose to both of those, that's seven and five. So, it's tough for sure. Sh- <laughs> my point was I feel bad for Sharon Moore, other than the fact that I kind of oh, don't feel bad for I him because of kind of runs me the wrong way. But I don't know. So, if he didn't run me the wrong way and he didn't coach an institution that was very entitled, I would have felt bad for him, I guess is my point. I just go through the schedule. I can't believe they have
1: ten home games next
0: year. Like that, that's that's crazy. Go
1: through the schedule. They they don't leave their own stadium until that first weekend of October. on the Stadium. I don't know how they get to do that every single it's like year. Good old I, day. Good for them. Good for them. That's wow. We we need their schedule maker over here. But um, no, it, it'll be a tough gauntlet. Uh, yeah. Am I predicting eight and four? I could just see it happening. My prediction is probably nine and three. Yeah, yeah, that's my prediction is nine and
0: three. But if they go eight and four, then their loss one of their four losses will be to Michigan State. But nine and three
1: off a national title year, like, are are they going to be patient enough for that? Are they just going to go, hey, Brian Kelly, we're going to throw a bag of money at you, come back? So I, I don't know. That's why I say it really is interesting because it's hard to be a fortune teller here but
0: right like if he goes nine and three i don't think you'll be hearing any like jokes or roasting from my end so like i think it'd be okay for him to go nine and three i think the fans just because they just want a national title will probably be okay with it just because they kind of are like all right we can have one down here but if that second year is not a step up from nine and three Mm
1: -hmm. then i
0: think maybe that dialogue and that conversation would start
1: it all matters what the important fans, the, the donors, right. to say about that and how much context right. they appreciate. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about the Harbaugh thing. I mean, other than what I tweeted, like, look, he's he lived the American dream. He cheated to get the ultimate goal of a national championship, and then he got out of Dodge before any hammers drop. And, no, that's not just me being a salty Sparty over here. Like, I, like that—that that, that is legitimately the dream. Cheat right. to win, everyone should do it. My God, I've been saying that forever, that, like, okay, if nothing happened to Bill Self in Kansas, my, everyone, everyone should be cheating their face off right now. And when you do know that sanctions are coming, and, guys, I know that Charlie Baker said that, hey, they won the title fair and square. That doesn't cancel the two investigations going on. Like, his, his right. little cute quote, 24 hours after your national title to make you feel warm and fuzzy, actually doesn't change that much here. There's going to be some things that happen, how severe they are, We'll never know. Is that national title going to get vacated? Heavens no. But even if it does, you take the trade 10 out of 10 times. You saw the right. games. You lifted the truck. Who cares? Who cares? So yes, when I say that, that yeah, he cheated. He, he won, but he got out of Dodge. Like, no, that's I am jealous of him. That, that, that right. That's the dream, JT. So yeah, Yeah, that's my, I mean, that's my stance on it.
0: The N C A and Charlie Baker are not walking into people's houses and taking those Costco national title t-shirts away. That's for sure.
1: No, they're not. No, they're not. So there we go. I mean, hey, if if now if Washington beat Michigan national title, I would not have the same respectful tone right now. You yes. you would have to get a yes. all a the jokes host would be on the table. Pair. Oh my god. I I'd be going until Sunday. <laughs> you, you couldn't you couldn't give me off this microphone. But however, yeah. they did it. They won and it is definitely relevant news to talk about and right. uh, wow. Have things really shaken up here this off season for for both teams in the direction that I like for yeah. so. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I guess just kind of a quick summary of like what Michigan state has done to, to kind of close the gap. Like you said, it's not just there yet. Um, we're looking at a team where Jonathan Smith has come in. He's mm-hmm. he's, he's taken over a program that should have won probably seven games last year with even like with halfway decent offensive scheming and better route trees, even with all the same personnel, they could have won the Iowa game. They could have won um, you think they win the Rutgers game with another uh, coach up 17 oh, points in the fourth quarter? You, you think? Absolutely. Okay. So you got okay. two right there. Um Basically, yeah. they still lose the Michigan game. They still lose the Ohio state game. They still lose the Penn state game. They still lose the Washington game. The Maryland game had a final score that was very lopsided, but with those pick sixes and the fumbles and all of that, that's what caused that gap. I still think they outplayed and they outgained Maryland. So like, I think that could have been a win. It's not crazy to say seven and five and eight and four might be a little crazy, but like I, they were not that far. Basically this rebuild, he's not picking up a true four and eight program. He's picking up maybe a 500, maybe a seven and five program. Now you take in the fact that the staff has been significantly upgraded, at least on paper. Maybe, like I said, two out of these 10 guys, maybe fans will be saying, oh, they need to be upgraded in two years. But like a good staff on paper today that really I can't find any complaints with. Poaching an assistant from Oregon for pretty much the same position, poaching uh, or sorry, bringing two of one of the most valued coaches that were on the West Coast, which um, Coach Jim Oshalchik at O line coach and Coach Brian Wozniak at tight ends coach. One of the biggest reasons Smith was looking to leave Oregon State was the fact that he was worried he wouldn't be able to retain those guys had he stayed there.
1: Gotcha. So
0: you have guys that are so valuable in the operation that are coming here. Um, Coach Blue Adams gives you the state of Florida. He played in the NFL. He seems to be doing a great job connecting with kids. So the staff as a whole is good. Now you look at what he did with the roster that, that he came here. All of the people that they wanted to have return that entered the portal pretty much did. Um, yeah. Jacoby Winman, I know he entered the portal, but then he went to the NFL. And Zion Young, who ended up going to Missouri, are pretty much the only losses from everyone that entered the portal. You don't see that many starters enter the portal, and then come back. So. Right. What he's done from that standpoint has been impressive. Then the way that he has used the portal has been so much more effective than the previous staff. Now, granted, he might take some flyers in the spring, but nobody that's he, that he's taken so far in December is any worse than a rotational defensive lineman. You're looking at starters at every single spot, and then we'll see about DaQuan Douse and Quindarius Dunnigan. Mm-hmm. I would probably say that Dunnigan starts and Douse is DT three. So, okay. like that's the framework of portal guys they've gotten. Obviously, Aiden Childs is probably better than any pickup that that Mel Tucker has had other than Kenneth Walker in that entire era. Now you start branching out and you see, okay, developmentally, they should at least get better at offensive line right away. You're looking at probably receivers coach with Courtney Hawkins, them probably just getting better from scheme alone. Um, tight ends coach, I think there'd be a big upgrade there. And quarterbacks coach Brian Lindgren, the OC upgrade there. Defensive side of the ball, you could probably say the same at defense line coach. Uh, now that they got two coaches, Coach Wilt and Coach uh Coach Leggy. Um, so you're looking at guys all across the board that are upgrades. So as a whole, this program infrastructurally, talent-wise, it has upgraded in big ways. And the process has been so refined and intentional that it really makes you feel like it's sustainable. There's nothing flash in the pan about how this was done. So that's kind of my take on the gap is closing between the top tier of the Big Ten and the bottom. And uh, Michigan State's not getting left behind in that. And I think they've done a great job of positioning themselves right there behind that Ohio State and Oregon tier to probably be that next team to sustain themselves right in that 10-9 win range and above for years to come.
1: Wonderfully said. I mean, that knocks it out of the park because, yeah, we've all felt optimistic before some seasons before, but this one doesn't feel like fool's gold. And the the point that I just want to, you know, just kind of piggyback off of Mm -hmm. is what you're saying with the roster and the transfer portal and the guys that got back. How you know they do have a decent roster, a roster that could have gone seven to five last year, let's call it, is, yes, look at the guys that did it in the transfer portal and not just the names of the guys that came back, but the other schools that were after them. All right, that this isn't like Monmouth was after, you know, uh, Gino Vandermark, for example. Right. Oklahoma was clearing an apartment out for, it. like they they thought for sure that he had him. Look at Derek Harmon. Like, like there are, or uh, Jerome Glover, he took an official to Georgia for crying out loud. There were big programs that wanted Michigan State's players that they did get back. So it's not like they're right. just bringing back players that oh, no one wanted. Like no, th- these yeah. are serious Power Five level players that are being brought back. So that's another reason.
0: Learn more at marines.com. They feel solid about how things are going this yeah, offseason. No doubt. No okay. doubt. Is okay. there anything else you want to touch on, Matt?
1: Just shooty hoops. Big game Friday, man. Um, BartTorvic.com has you as two and a half point underdogs, which might be a little mm-hmm. bit of a surprise. Wisconsin is cooking so far this season. Yeah. They have a the top 10 uh, offense in the country. But man, unranked Michigan State just being by the computers two and a half point underdogs. It'll probably be closer to four on the sports book, is my guess when it comes out. But It's a game that, um, I'll say it, I do expect Michigan State to win. I mean, if we're going to take ourselves seriously as a program, we're going to say, hey, we're due for a run. Right. This is a game you do expect to win, even though it's going to be a tough Friday night game on the road in Madison against a very good Badger team. But yeah, it'll be a big one here. So, um, yeah, didn't want to, like, go too far into basketball here. Nice, nice, Great win on Sunday. Oh, for sure.
0: Disgusting
1: win. But any win on the road, my God, great yeah, win, JT. So, no oh, doubt. Jesus.
0: Yeah, I mean, you saw Wisconsin on the road against Minnesota. Almost dropped that. So it's, yeah, it's uh, tough to it's, win on the everything's road. Everything's a battle in the Big Ten.
1: We know how hard it is to win on the road. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that that was a disgusting win. It was a disgusting 20 minutes the game ended on. Because that right. first half they had against Maryland, mm-hmm. probably, hmm. Definitely their best conference half that they've played. I, yeah. I, I was going to say best half they've played the Baylor game, but, but top three half they ever played so far. And on the road uh, in front of Maryland's 16 fans that I didn't get. I, I thought they were like a, a proud right. basketball school when, when yeah. the, when the cameras open up on the game and there are more people listening to this show right now than there were in the stands at Maryland. It's like, do they get footage from an hour and a half before the game? They're just showing us now. What? What's going on in college park right, right now? <laughs> yeah, that shocked me on Sunday.
0: <laughs> and they have like two road losses in the last two years, or so, or two home losses in like two years, or something like that. Wow, That's crazy too. They
1: usually have a good home court. Like I remember when Cassius Winston in twenty nineteen, the yeah. game where he hit the half court shot. Like that place was rocking. I mean, so it just what? Like did Kevin Willard tell every Terrapin fan just to go f themselves? Like I, I don't know. Right what happened there but yeah so a little bit of shooting hoops right there big game friday of course we got the big uh home game against michigan on tuesday don't know if we'll record before that but <laughs> mm-hmm. no doug mcdaniel because he's doing the road game only suspension still yeah um
0: they did not look good against purdue without him you know uh did they cover the spread were they given forty nine
1: and a half points no shoot no, okay
0: well they did not cover um, 18 and a half
1: not, not to talk about Michigan again. Can I just ask one question about this Doug McDaniel suspension? And I swear this isn't like me trying to be funny. This is a legitimate question. Doesn't it just, isn't it better for the team just to suspend it for six straight games instead of I, doing yes. all road games, inserting and taking out a guy over yes. and over again in the lineup? Like, what? Well, yes. Like, if if you want to just help him and the team alike, right? Just do six games. And I get yes. that it's for academics, and the whole reasoning maybe is because like, oh. He's at home during the road. No one cares. No one cares. Just suspend it for six games off the rip. Call it academics, yeah. and like no one's gonna cause a fuss. Right. You, just, you just you just made it weird with the, the road game only suspension. And I'm thinking like that's got that can't be healthy for the right. team so yeah, i don't know that's because just me. like
0: you you're like hurting your ability to go on a late season run as well yeah. because of that like, <laughs> right
1: yeah
0: and like you need those road games especially like as it gets towards february and march so like if you're trying to build i mean i think at this point it's it's past it's past the ability to to raise oh, it's and get in. so i guess it Correct. doesn't really matter but yeah like you definitely would rather just Rip the Band-Aid off, get those six games out of there, and then have them for the rest of the season. But yeah. I don't know, man. What are they? They're not going to do anything normal over there. I mean, like you saw with like the the Michigan thing, like, and the, like with Harbaugh, like they wouldn't give him the immunity thing the whole time, and rightfully so. Uh-huh. But then today, today they get the immunity clause in there, and they agree to it. But, like, (laughs) it was done just so Warren Manuel can give reporters the um, sort of scoop of, hey, I did everything I could. I agreed to everything you wanted. Please don't blame me when he leaves. But, like, if you were going to give him that and, like, like not stand on principle, then why not do it two weeks ago so you actually have a better chance of using that as a staying factor? So, like, I don't understand anything about how they operate from an administrative level or procedural level at all. Please.
1: N- naming another head coach 10 minutes before the game, Uh the yeah. head coach is apparently on a zero tolerance policy and he's had five strikes ever since that got implemented. I, I don't know, man. I- again, not not to go on and on about Michigan, but wow. Uh It's a very, uh, uh, you know, soon to be opponent. I yeah. just can't not bite my tongue when it comes to everything that's been going on so far this right. year. Like, huh uh hockey's doing good though still first place in the big 10 they are yeah. up four points on wisconsin wisconsin do has two more games to play uh, other than the spartans but nice little comeback win last weekend at yost after getting clobbered at Mount Arena against michigan at some point jt they were down 11 to 2 combined in the two games and they went right. back and got the win at michigan yeah. so up four points wisconsin two games in hand Notre Dame, the third place team, not really in shooting distance right now, but back-to-back games at Mun this weekend against Minnesota. Michigan State, they're number seven in the pairwise rankings. Minnesota, they're number nine. So this will be a good one. And Minnesota, always a traditional hockey powerhouse. So this will be a good one. And JT, my favorite part. Saturday, we can actually, like, watch. You don't have to pay the extra $10 Phenomenal. to get the worst feed of a sporting event you've ever seen on Big Ten Plus. It's on Big Ten Network at 4 p.m. And even better, earlier that day, if you're in East Lansing, go to the noon game, Spartan women taking on the Wolverines at Breslin Center. So noon, state basketball, women's basketball. Spend the hour, hour and a half between that. Go to Harrison Roadhouse. Go to Crunchy's. Double-deck McDonald's if you're really feeling fancy. And then 4 p.m. over to Munn. So there you go. Look so at I want to leave people with the, an itinerary before yeah. uh, we, we head out here.
0: Speaking of hockey, Matt, once yeah. I found out that the Eagles were not faring, in I decided to end my hiatus with hockey, or of Good not watching hockey. Yeah. And I've, I've reinvested myself in the Flyers. Good so for you. I will tonight, well, this posts on Thursday morning, tonight wow. I'll be at Little Caesars Arena cheering on the Flyers. So, wow. The thing Look is, like last year, right, I told myself I was going to get back into hockey because I used to be a huge like Flyers fan back when they okay. went to the Cup. And even before that, like not just when they went to the Cup, but like but Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, Daniel Breer, Simone Gagne, <laughs> all those guys. And then, like, I got out of it for, like, eight, nine years. And then two years ago, opening day, I Googled NHL Power Rankings. Uh And I scrolled and I scrolled and I scrolled and the Flyers were 30th. And this was back when I believe they only had 30 teams or 31, I don't know, maybe. And I'm like, all right, not this year. So, the beginning of this year, same thing. I scroll the Power Rankings and I'm, like, scrolling and scrolling. And they're second to last. And I'm like, well, not this year either. But I checked the standings like a month ago and they're like in playoff position. I'm hey, like, let's do this another week or so. Here we go. And there they are in playoff position still. And I'm nice, like, all right, man. that's it. Let's see what happens with the Eagles playoffs. And after that, I might have to get back into this. So that is what I did. Obviously, I'm admitting to now re bandwagoning, but I was oh, not a ba- I, I was not a bandwagon back in the day. So it is it'll be interesting. Now if they lose and I'm in yeah. attendance, I'll probably abandon it again. You're you're just a born again
1: Flyer fan, so it's it's better than a bandwagon. You're. you're I'll never I'll
0: never forget what Antti Niemi was able to accomplish in that Stanley Cup final when he (laughs) stood on his head and stopped every single shot and won the cup by himself.
1: Just moved you, just moved you. Top of that one. Well, hope it's a fun time for you. Hockey, an incredibly electric sport.
0: Oh, definitely, probably the most fun sport to watch. To be honest, like you take away like. I don't know, like the personal investments just not there for me, but like literally just the act of playing the sport. Yes. I mean, I guess watching them playing the sport, I think it's just the best action, the best nonstop action.
1: That's a really good. Okay. Cause I, I love watching volleyball because like, it's a point that's every, true. like 15 seconds. like that's rallies. Fun. You know what I always catch myself doing though, is like whenever it's a playoff, I always say like, oh my God, playoff blank is the best like playoff hockey is like is the best it's awesome and then i'll be watching a playoff baseball game i'll be like oh my god playoff yeah nothing beats playoff baseball then of course we're in the middle of the nfl playoffs and even if the Lions weren't in it like i'm watching every single minute of every single game it's like oh my god so i guess it just comes out to just like i just like sports
0: right right how about that i I, I think the biggest jump between regular season energy and postseason energy is definitely baseball um, so that's one thousand
1: percent yes. Yeah. Like, no question, because hey, look, I, I like baseball a lot. I'll be the first to say incredibly boring and incredibly long season. There's no reason it should be 162 games. Yeah. But man, baseball in October, that 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 is the sport at its purest form right yeah. there. So God, I love it.
0: Love well, it. Matt, good luck to your lions this weekend. Okay. <laughs> um, I had been predicting that the Lions would go to the Super Bowl if they beat the Rams all along. And I had been, as you know, I have been slandering the 49ers every chance I get. Um, really, really, the only reason I got into sports media was years ago was so that one day I'd have a podcast where I could talk bad about Kyle Shanahan's offenses. Perfect. So <laughs> the long, the long game has panned out. So now here we are. Uh we'll yep. see what happens. As I had been saying, you know, I said lions would beat or lions will lose to the Ravens in the Super Bowl. I finally placed that as a bet. Um, okay, 125 to pay I believe eleven hundred dollars in profit Bang. Um, so I put my money where my mouth is not just saying this stuff to appease you guys on this show here. So we'll see what happens. but um I have the lions moving on and losing to the Ravens in the next in the Super Bowl unfortunately, but hey, the NFC title banner flies forever so at least I oh got that oh. Out of oh.
1: If, if you don't think I'm not buying five hundred dollars worth of NFC Championship <laughs> merch, you're out. You're out of your gourd. If you don't think I'm going to milk that, even if we lose by like eighty points in the Super Bowl, like oh, yeah. they win Sunday, <sighs> try try wiping a smile off my face for the next few months. Yeah. <laughs> no shot. Um, I'm so scared though. Um, all right, on that note, I got to go drive across the country and uh, take a sledgehammer to Debo Samuel's shoulder. Um, yes. We stopped, we stopped recording, right? That, that's not on air. That's, yeah. that's not. I,
0: okay. I don't know if we ever start. start rec- are we okay, live? Yeah. We this yeah. is a whole dress rehearsal. Yeah. Good. All right. In three, two, and. Hey, look one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. not going
1: to do that to Debo Samuel. I, I would never. Yeah. Uh, I mean, i clear, would. clear my name. He, he
0: had a lot to say during the offseason podcast, the B tier podcast that he went on all over the country. You know, he was right about James Bradbury being trash. But, like, <laughs> have never been saying that last offseason because he didn't get open on him a single time.
1: Whatever. Yeah, Whom's Amongst Us uh, hasn't yeah. made that error before. Yeah.
0: Right. Oh, well, Matt, always good talking to you. Appreciate everyone that was listening. And make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And we will be back next week. And appreciate everyone for tuning in. And that was this week's episode of the SD Farrell Show. See you, everyone.
1: You guys are the best. Go
0: grin.